This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College. Join them for two weeks digging up dinosaur bones from the Jurassic period in Northwest Colorado this summer. For details, go to cncc.edu slash dinodig. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, I'm Garrett. And I'm Sabrina. And today we're going to talk about Camptosaurus, the Ornithischian Order, and some new news. So the first thing that we have in the news is a ridiculous rant (laughs) that's on a website called Mumsnet. And apparently, according to the Huffington Post, this place is known for having some fake and ridiculous posts but there's a woman who posted that she doesn't like her kids learning about dinosaurs because dinosaurs don't have family values and she doesn't think they existed and perhaps Darwin disproved that they would ever have existed or some nonsense. So there's a lot of stuff on the internet. I mostly just want to address it in case other people are seeing it. I think it's probably fake. It seems a little bit too crazy to be real. It reminds me of the Facebook post where someone took a triceratops. There was this picture of Steven Spielberg sitting next to a triceratops and they said like, oh, look at this hunter who killed this poor endangered species or something like that. And then everybody was outraged and posted all sorts of similar comments like, oh, what a monster, screw that guy, (laughs) without realizing that it was just a triceratops from the set of Jurassic Park. There were are a couple kind of funny things about it. They made that person made a Facebook page called Christians Against Dinosaurs or CAD, I guess. It looks like comically unscientific, so I don't know if it's true, but it's got almost 5,000 members, so who knows? There's probably people that believe it. And then somebody else made a Facebook page called Dinosaurs Against Christians, which is, has a picture of a raptor with a RPG which is kind of funny it doesn't have quite as many members but kind of funny anyway that's not really serious news Um, in more serious news there's a recent study that came out of the University of Bucharest which is in Romania and they're showing that the European fossil record agrees with the North American fossil record in that it looks like dinosaurs went extinct quickly when the meteorite hit about 66 million years ago, which is that Chicxulub meteor that hit in the Yucatan Peninsula. But there were some recent studies that were contradictory where they were saying perhaps that dinosaurs were already on their way out or you know maybe global warming or there was a lot of volcanic activity. So maybe it 
all those sulfur-based compounds being in the upper atmosphere reflected too much light, and then the plants died, or some other theories that were floating around. They were saying maybe it was a combination of things, and if if only for the you know extra seismic activity, if it had just been the meteor, maybe the dinosaurs would have survived. But it seems like those theories are starting to get squashed again. On a sadder note, there's a new dam being built in British Columbia where it's going to block a lot of fossils that paleontologists have been studying for the last 90 years. The dinosaur tracks in this area called the Peace River Canyon were originally discovered back in the 1920s, and they've discovered fossils from other eras as well there, and they've tried to pull as many fossils out of there as possible, but a lot of scientists are saying that it's a big loss not being able to go back to the site in the future because we obviously haven't discovered everything. So even though you can take out some of the fossils and the footprints and things that you've discovered there, you lose the ability to go back in the future. So it's not the first dam on that river, but apparently it's the first one to make a big impact on the paleontological effects of the area. So it's sad, but at the same time, Hydroelectric power is good, so I guess it's not all bad. And in Jurassic Park news, because this seems to be popping up more and more as the movie comes closer to coming out, is there appears to be another hybrid dinosaur that's going to be in the in the uh, Jurassic World movie. So the first dinosaur we talked about Indominus Rex and how it's supposed to be a combination of several theropods and... It'll have big arms and a big head and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of gave them a pass on that because, you know, you can combine some things. The movie's only so long. You can't put all the good theropods you want in there. But this new one, it's it's not good. <laughs> Basically, they've taken a triceratops head and stuck it on the body of a stegosaurus. So they're... <laughs> What do they call this thing? Oh, they call it Stegoceratops. It's horrible. The there's a a picture that's gone around online from a Hasbro toy, and it's got a this Stegoceratops ages four and up. And oh man, is that disappointing? So you take the two most commonly known herbivores probably and smush them together. And that's going to be the new one. They couldn't pick one of the many other... Well, <laughs> you have to remember Steven Spielberg killed off the poor Triceratopses. So oh, that's true. All that was left was a merge between them and the Stegosaurus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He hunted all of them. I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully this is the last one. If we get some more, like they merged a... Camarasaurus and a Brachiosaurus to make a Brontosaurus. I'm going to be especially disappointed. A Brontosaurus, you say? Yeah, well, if you combine a Camarasaurus and a Brachiosaurus. Uh, I guess that's the only way they existed. Yeah. But that conversation <laughs> is for another podcast episode. Stepping on toes over here. So, so that's all the news we have about Jurassic Park for this episode. We'll see what comes out in the future. 
This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College, where you can become a part of the scientific process. As a participant, you can go on a real-life dinosaur dig, and you'll be helping to advance science and our understanding of the ancient world. What's really cool is that the fossilized bones that are being excavated, they're public, and they're going to be displayed and preserved for future generations to study and admire. Yeah, we've mentioned how that's a really important part of the scientific process, not just getting them out and describing them once, but keeping them and preserving them so that future questions and future scientists can take a look at those bones to answer new questions and validate results. And the site is special and also near and dear to me because it's in the Morrison Formation, known for the sauropods, Mm -hmm. of course, of the Jurassic time. And it represents one of the best bone beds ever found in the saltwash member. Yeah, the current interpretation is that the site was the result of a brachiosaurus sort of jamming up a river and then other carcasses piling up behind it. Oh, no. And that's how we got a bunch of different types of dinosaurs all fossilizing together. So, oh, no, but also, yay. (laughs) Good for us as scientists. Mm -hmm. And dinosaur enthusiasts. Yes. So there are two scheduled digs if you want to get involved with getting these bones out of the ground. You can go from July 6th to July 20th or from July 22nd to August 5th. Head over to cncc.edu slash dinodig. You'll get all of the details. Just make sure that you register online by May 31st. And again, that is cncc.edu slash dinodig, D-I-N-O-D-I-G. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So on that note, our dinosaur of the day is Camptosaurus. Camptosaurus lived during the late Jurassic about 156 to 145 million years ago in North America, and its name means bent or flexible lizard. It's thought to be an ancestor of later large herbivores like iguanodons and duckbills, and it looked a lot like an iguanodon. So it was a pretty heavy dinosaur. It was an ornithischian dinosaur, about 16 to 23 feet long, three to four feet high at the hips, and weighed about 2,200 pounds. It had a long snout and a horny beak, hundreds of teeth. Its legs were longer than its arms. It had four-toed feet and five-fingered arms, and it grazed on low-lying plants. So Camptosaurus had a triangular skull, which was about 15 inches long and its hand had five digits so the hands are really interesting i had to look at a lot of pictures before i really understood what it looked like but the first second and third digits had claws but the fourth and fifth fingers had little nubs that some places describe as hooves so it's kind of like uh, just a really blunt finger with a thick nail at the end of it Overall, the hand was really stiff because the wrist was fused and it made the hand really good for holding up the weight of the animal, but it made it completely useless for trying to grasp things. The teeth in the skull were very tightly packed, as we see with a lot of the herbivorous dinosaurs, 
and it likely ate tough vegetation. Specifically, it probably ate cycads, which are an interesting looking plant. You may have seen them. You can still buy cycads in plant nurseries. They're really thin. It looks like one leaf from a distance, but it's really a bunch of thin spines closely put together on one stem. So it would have been really hard to chew. I can't imagine trying to chew through that thing. And they had a tough toothed beak. Basically the end of their skull was a, a beak rather than, you know, just teeth. So even though it had no teeth in the front of the mouth, it had strong teeth in the side of the jaw, known as cheek teeth, to grind the plant material. So it could crush the tough vegetation in its cheeks. And these teeth were strong because of ridges on the outer surface. And they also had a flat grinding surface. It also had probably had pretty fleshy cheeks so it could keep food in the mouth while it's chewing or even for later, for a later snack or something. One possible thing that it may have eaten is psychedelic fungus. That came up in the news this week. Scientists found an amber fossil of ergot, which is a grass parasite that could be poisonous and can cause hallucinations. So uh, it's kind of a precursor to LSD, and it could develop, it could cause uh, muscle spasms in addition to the hallucinations. There's a phrase called St. Anthony's Fire that refers to this burning feeling that you get by, because it's constricting blood vessels. Ergot has been around since actually at least the Jurassic period, possibly the Cretaceous period, and they found evidence of it in Myanmar, as well as evidence that these kinds of grasses evolved with dinosaurs rather than after they had gone, uh, had disappeared. So this ergot fungus, it's a parasite, it would have been attracted to grass, and it resembled an ear of corn. So scientists don't know for sure if the dinosaurs who ate this fungus had hallucinations, but they're pretty sure that they ate the grass that had this fungus. So obviously not when the dinosaur is hallucinating, but or I guess maybe, depending on what the hallucination is. Uh, Camptosaurus had a maximum speed between 15 and 25 miles an hour. Much like other herbivores, they probably lived in herds, and we alluded to it earlier, but it's one of the oldest known iguanodontids known from a complete skeleton. So much like a lot of the dinosaurs, it was discovered in the 1870s by Marsh. So Marsh first named the dinosaur Camptonotus, which meant bent back, because the pelvis they thought was flexible and could bend in many different ways. Uh, then they realized that was not the case. They later changed the name to Camptosaurus because the name Camptonotus was actually being used to name a cricket. So they renamed it in the 1880s. Camptosaurus sounds better anyway. <laughs> so Camptosaurus's pelvis is pretty broad and it bows outwards, which is another reason they thought it was flexible for a while. And this means it had a wide gut region, which you see in a lot of herbivores, which means that they had an enlarged intestine, and uh, that means that they also probably were very gassy. (laughs) Yeah. At one point in time, they thought Camptosaurus was bipedal, 
we see this is like the fourth time we've talked about it just on this podcast it seems like but then they realized that even though it had a long tail that was about 50 percent of its weight it wouldn't have been enough to counterbalance the heavy weight of all the extra intestines so it would have been too front heavy to walk on just its hind legs and that fits perfectly with the fact that its wrists were fused because if you're leaning on them that makes it a lot easier to hold weight but not very useful as hands. One cool fossil that they found at Dinosaur National Monument in Utah is a nine inch embryo. Yeah, Dinosaur National Monument also has one of the most complete Camptosaurus skeletons that's ever been found, but it is missing a head, so it's kind of an <laughs> important part. And if you want to see more about Dinosaur National Monument, you can go to inodino.com, and we have a link to the website and some information about it. It was my favorite dinosaur museum or dinosaur site that I've ever been to so far. Camptosaurus is in the Ornithischian order. A lot of times we talk about families, orders are a level up from families. Like we talked about in the last episode, Ornithischia means of a bird and hip joint. So you put it together and it basically means bird-hipped. Some commonly known Ornithischians include the horned dinosaurs, which are the Ceratopsians, the big armored dinosaurs, like the Ankylosaurs and the Stegosaurs, and the Hadrosaurids, which are the duck-billed dinosaurs, like Iguanodon. Ornithischians often lived in herds, and there were more of them than the Saurischians. They were often prey animals for theropods, and they were usually smaller than the sauropods. So the way to tell the difference between an Ornithischian and a Saurischian is which way the pubis bone points on the pelvis. So if it points down towards the tail or backwards, that means that it's a Ornithischian. If it's pointing downward and towards the head or forwards, it's a Saurischian. So during their evolutionary history, Ornithischians shifted from bipedal to quadrupedal posture at least three times. And early on, they were able to adopt both postures. Yeah, it's really interesting. So our fun fact is, as we mentioned, the Camptosaurus on its first, second, and third fingers had claws, but on its first finger, or the thumb, it actually had a big spike, but it probably couldn't have used it for defense, partly because it's using that foot to stand up, or hand, basically, to stand up, but also because even though it, w- it did have a spike on it, it wouldn't have been large enough to really use for defense, which makes me wonder why it had it at all. It's like a big toenail. And that wraps up this episode of I Know Dino. Join us next time when we talk with Taylor McCoy, the founder of the website Everything Dinosaurs. Good day.